0: I'm Sandy, I'm an alcoholic. Hey Sandy. Um, my sobriety date is November 19th, 2005. And uh, I want to thank Kelly for railroading me into, into speaking tonight. Um, I uh, The last time I was uh, scheduled to speak at this meeting, you were at the community center. I think it was two years ago when it got flooded out in January, and I, um, I had uh, been, uh, I was supposed to be the speaker that night, that Sunday night, and I had thrown my back out a couple of days prior, and it was really bad. I mean, I was crawling around my house, and I was contemplating on calling Scott, because he had recruited me to speak here, and, and um, when I got the text, no meeting tonight, it's been flooded, I'm like, thank you, God, you know, so anyway, so I, I, uh, here I am tonight, so... Um, A little bit about my history, I was uh, born and raised in Hickory, North Carolina, which is about 45 minutes west of Charlotte. I am one of five, I have three brothers, I had three brothers, a sister, and uh, me, I was next to the youngest. And um, So my my father died when I was five, my little brother was eight months old, and um, my mom, she uh, raised five kids in the 60s and the 70s all by herself. So growing up, I was very poor, and I remember um, early on feeling less than apart—not apart, you know, apart from—and um, just always being—I um, don't know—I I don't want to say humiliated, but I just you know I just didn't feel like I fit in. And I, the whole, you know, being poor thing, and I remember growing up in uh, elementary school and I had to get free lunches and my best friend at the time, she would take my lunch ticket up to the lunchroom lady and act like she was paying for my lunch. And, you know, because I, I, I always want to, uh, you know, make you think that, you know, I'm different than I am. And, and I remember when I was working my steps with my sponsor, um, you know, Thinking about these things, more will be revealed. And um, so, fast forward, I uh, I grew up in North Carolina. I remember, probably around the age of 11, um, basically I raised myself. You know, as you can imagine, my mom's an alcoholic. My dad was an alcoholic. I learned that later on. She did the best she could, and I remember thinking, I never want to grow up to be like her. Unfortunately, I grew up to be worse than her, and, um, you know, um, so I, uh, I, uh, walked, ta- I walked faster, I talked faster, I moved faster, I drove faster, than these people, I remember, I just wanted to get the hell out of North Carolina, so I, uh, at 17 and a half, i just graduated from high school, I married my high school sweetheart. And basically, I took him hostage. Um, I remember he had, he had joined the military, and it was like, yes, that's my ticket out of here, you know. And so, and I, you know, early I, I go back and I and I look at the pattern of my life. You know, I'm all, I'm a user and I'm a taker, and. Um, so I married this man. I had uh, we had two children together. He was in the Marine Corps. We traveled. You know, one of my tr- one of my daughters was born in. It sounds like I get around like you know, I'm a prostitute or something, but that's not the case. Anyway, my daughter. One of them was born in Beaufort, North South Carolina. The other one was born in Fort Belvoir, Virginia. And my son was born in Laguna Beach. Anyway, so um, we moved to. Uh, I married this man. We moved to because he was in the Marine Corps. We moved to El Toro, California, in 2000. Uh, thousand and uh, I don't 2004 I think and, no that's not right but anyway I've been here 33 years so we moved to California and I don't know he, he got shipped overseas and I ended up divorcing him and um, I stayed he left so fast forward I married uh, another man and uh, you know all the signs all the indications were there you know like um, what did he say to me a couple of times? I've been through the unit, the care unit. Well, I didn't put two and two together. The care unit was, you know, alcohol and, and a drug unit. So, anyway, I married an alcoholic. I My alcoholism didn't take off till, till I was around 33 years old. And um, I've been sober one year longer than I was in my disease. So I've been sober longer than I was in my disease. But, so... Let me fast forward to the, the how I got how I, how I got drugged into Alcoholics Anonymous. Let go or be dragged, and, and God will drag you, and, and He drugged me. So in 2002, I uh, it was things were getting really bad. I mean, you know, cars were getting repossessed, electricity wasn't getting paid, and you know, we were getting you know foreclosure notices on our home, and so um, my daughter at the time um, she says to me, Mom. The elevator's going down, and you can get off any time you choose. And I didn't get that. You know, I I I didn't understand what she was talking about. It didn't make any sense to me. And I mean, she was at the time she was probably 20 years old, and and um, so fast forward a couple of years later, she comes. um, Things were getting really bad. I mean, I'll tell you a couple of funny stories. They're funny now. They weren't funny then. we had moved to, uh, my daughters, both of them graduated from San Clemente High, we moved from San Clemente, we would sold our house barely before we were getting ready to lose it, and we moved to Tubuco Canyon, and we bought a, um, bought a horse ranch out in Tobuco Canyon, the old canyon, you know, out by Rose Canyon Cantina, and um, so um, that's where my alcoholism really took off. and. Uh, um, I've been arrested four times and so in 2005 I got arrested four times three times at my house. My ex-husband loved to call the cops on me. He called the cops on me 21 times and the reason I know because the same two sheriffs came to my house every single time they knew me by first name. I knew them by first name which is not a good thing never is and um, I knew exactly how, how long it took them to get to my house because I timed them. It took them 45 minutes. They didn't have the, the sheriff uh, I think they have one now out in Lake Forest, but it was Elisa Viejo. So from Elisa Viejo to Old Tribuco Canyon, it took him about 45 minutes. And so I would leave and run and hide. And I, we, our house was three stories. It was built into the a side of a mountain. And um, I would get up on the roof, and I'd hide from the cops, and it was like, it was ridiculous. You know, here I am, a roof climber, and, you know, sometimes they were there, sometimes they weren't, you know, and so, um, I would hide hide out from the cops on the roof. I mean, that's just pure insanity. You know, this just, and to me, it seemed normal. I'd go up there, and I smoked at the time. I'd be smoking, you know, waiting for the cops to come, and they weren't even there. And, uh, <laughs> anyway, so, um, so fast forward to two thousand and five it was really it was really getting bad it, it, it was bad so virtually every three months I was ended up getting arrested i 've never had a DUI but i 've been arrested for everything else and uh, i uh, had gone to jail, and this time I was, you know, booked on domestic violence, and which is not a good thing, and had a $50,000 bail, and cost me $5,000 to bail out. I should have just waited a couple more days, I would have been released. But no, 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 you know, like, get me out of here. I felt like a caged rat. So, and every time I got arrested, they put me in, um... 22-hour lockdown I was deemed a problem inmate so you know every which was a good thing you know come to find out that was actually a good thing for me um, and these women took care of me you know they they kind of looked at me and not and I believe me I belong there trust me but you know they took me under their wings and they took care of me and you know the next to the last time I'd been arrested was I had a restraining order on me I was not supposed to go back to my house but of course <laughs> Who 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 pays attention to the rules? You know, I don't don't pay attention to the rules. That's not for me. So I go back, and I end up getting arrested again, and I found out later that crime, bail, crime is not a good thing. You know, I was out on bail, and then I got arrested again. And so that time, I I ended up doing 10 days in uh, Santa Ana, Maine. I was in jail in 2005 over Thanksgiving. And I remember picking up the phone and calling, making a collect call to my daughter, and uh she answered the phone, It's mom calling from jail, you know, you have a collect call from, you know, an inmate in and stand out blah blah, you know. And so, um but I remember thinking, you know, this is my life. You know, I mean, how did I get here? And um so by the time I ended up in front of the judge again, I was at Harbor Main Court and there was like twenty five women in the holding cell and and the, and the sheriff comes over and she leans down and they've got shackles and I'm thinking those shackles are for me and they were. I was the only woman out of 25 to be shackled and handcuffed. I had to walk up those stairs and I was led down the hall by a sheriff who I knew. He knew my son. Our sons went to the same high school and I was shackled and handcuffed walking down the courthouse going, uh, getting ready to appear in front of the judge because she didn't have a cage in her courtroom and, um, you know, I was dangerous, I guess. Anyway, so so I'm standing in front of the judge and she says to me, Mrs. Wallace, I have a faith that you can turn your life around. I'm going to give you a choice. 18 months in jail or 6 months in sober living, what's your choice going to be? And I remember, you know, you can all relate, thinking... "Ah." Well, if everybody would just calm down, you know, and I mean, everybody's just overreacting. I mean, I, you know, when I, I, I remember thinking, I don't have a problem. I, you know, I definitely don't want to go to jail because it's really cold in there and and the food sucks. So, I guess I'll go to server living. So, off to server living I go. I go to Cornerstone. My neighbor's husband had just been go- gone through Cornerstone and. So she, you know, had an in, and so I went to Cornerstone, I was court-ordered to sober living for six months, I was court-ordered to get a sponsor, and every uh, once a month I had a case manager. I had to report to her weekly. I had four court cards when I came into Alcoholics Anonymous. I had to go to anger management for 12 months because I was very angry when I got here. <laughs> so, yeah, I, went to, I went to anger management. I had a court card for that. PC-1000 because drugs are a part of my story too. and. Um, I don't know, a couple other, a couple other you know, programs I had to go to, but I had four court cards. So once a week I had to report to my uh, case manager in Cornerstone because once a month they'd go in front of the judge. I, I think I was about three weeks sober and I didn't have a sponsor yet and they had reported to the judge and she says, you know, the next time you show up in this courtroom, if you don't have a sponsor, you're going back to jail. So, the night before, I was supposed to go back to court again, you know, I was uh, looking for the, you know, I had this perfect vision of what a sponsor supposed to, that I wanted. You know, she, I knew she had to be a little older than me. I wanted someone with more life experience. This I knew. And I wanted someone with a lot of sobriety. And I've had the same sponsor since I've been sober. Her, her name is Sandy also, and she's got 33 years of sobriety, and she sponsors tons of women. I have like 33 women that she sponsors and she's taught me how to sponsor a lot of women and um, like Kelly said, you know, when the student is ready the teacher will appear and when the teacher's ready the student will appear. So I, I got this woman and she t- gave me a, 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 a Call time. She gave me a time. I had to call her every morning at 5:15 a.m. She didn't want me to call it—not at 5:14, not at 5:16, 5:15—and she meant it. You know, she's like five feet tall, but man, I was scared of her, and I'm still scared of her today. <laughs> so, so I do what she says. You know, it's a respect. It really is. So, so I would call this woman um, every day, and we started working the steps. I'd go to her house once a once a week, every Monday from six to seven. We worked the steps and. Um, you know, we started with the title page, we read the preface, the four words, all the way through the um, um, Dr. Bob's Nightmare. It took me 18 months to work the 12 steps, not because I was balking, not because I was on my first step six months, because I needed to be. I would go to her house and for probably <clears throat> 40 minutes we'd talk, because I had a lot of stuff to talk about, and then we'd finally, you know, she says, honey, we've got to start working the steps, so we'd work the steps. and. Um, I was uh, on my sixth step when I was first asked to sponsor a woman, and I remember talking to my sponsor. I'm like, oh my God, this, this lady asked me to sponsor her today, am I ready? And she says, well, obviously God thinks you are. All you have to be, do is be one step in uh, front of them. So I've been sponsoring women ever since I went on my sixth step, and you know, it's a gift. Spons- the magic of sponsorship. Sponsorship is magical. I. Uh, I love Alcoholics Anonymous. I've been sober since my first meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous. So having those four court cards, I had to uh, count my meetings. So by the time I got out of sober living and got released from the courts and all that, I had gone to over 1,500 meetings in my first six months of sobriety. I didn't know what to do with myself. I was scared. I um, so I went to a lot of AA meetings, and uh, I listened for the similarities it talks about in Bill's story. He's you know, there was a lot of things about Bill that I can't relate. He's he's a man. He's an Easterner, you know, Northeasterner, and um, but I could relate to how he thought. I could relate to his thinking. You know, it's uh, it's the thinking that I have to I have to think about or, or, or pay attention to. And and I have alcoholic thinking today. I have an extreme case of alcoholism. The women I sponsor have extreme cases of alcoholism. It takes extreme measures to keep me happy, joyous, free, sober, and sane. You know, and some days I'm not say- I'm not sane. And. Um, but when I'm not doing what I need to do in my program and, you know, and there's a lot that I do because I need to, God reminds me. It's my experience when I'm not doing what I need to do in my program, God reminds me. And it's usually painful. Yeah, and I don't like pain today, but you know, I have a quick forgetter and I, you know, I do these things. Do I want to be right or I want to be happy? No, I'd, I'd rather be blessed. Do I want to be right or do I want to be blessed? I want to be blessed today. So... How I came to this meeting was one of the women I sponsor was spe- the main speaker here. I'm kind of jumping all around anyway. She was she was the main speaker here at, back in July, and I sat beside Kelly, and uh, we were talking and about how they found this location. He told me that he's, you know, he goes to church here and, and, he, and he sings in the choir and, and I was raised Lutheran in North Carolina and I sang in the choir and, you know, then he asked me if I'd be interested in joining the choir and I'm like, sure. And I'm, so a couple of months go by, I never heard from him, which I had forgotten about it anyway and then a couple of months later he sends me a text and, and you know, it just so happens the only night I have free is Thursday night and that's the night that we have choir practice. So I he asked me if I would be interested and I'm like, sure, and I'm thinking, How the hell did I get myself into this? You know, it's like, well I know how I got myself into it. I volunteered, you know. Just just like I volunteered to do, you know, it was the choices I make. Today I have more I have a you know, I have time, I have fourteen years, I have over fourteen years. You know, I just have more experience with making better choices. That's all. And I've also had the experience of asking for help. You know, I, uh, I have no problem asking for help. I ask my sponsor for a lot of help. I still talk to that woman minimum once a week. I have a, still have a committed phone call time with her once a week at 6.15 every Friday morning I'm on the phone with that woman. I send her a weekly email the, week, the day before or two days before letting her know what I've done this week in sobriety, how many women I'm sponsoring, what I'm doing. I, you know, first it's about my program, sobriety first. If I'm not sober, I don't have a job. I don't have relationships with my kids. I, you know, I don't have, um, I don't have women. I don't, I'm definitely not going to church, and um, you know. So, <laughs> anyway, and uh, and not showing up. You know, one of the biggest gifts that I've been given in sobriety is the ability to show up. And uh, because when I got here, like I said, I was unemployed and unemployable. My very first job in um, sobriety, I worked at because I had to get a job in sober living with. Within 10 days, and uh, I hadn't I hadn't worked for probably three or four years, and uh, I'm an accountant, and uh, so I'll tell you a little story about that. But um, so I my very first job I got a job working at Ross on 17th Street in uh, Tustin as a cashier, and I worked there for three months, and then I got a better job. But I remember. Uh, it was during Christmas time, and so I'm I'm detoxing off, you know, uh, alcohol and cocaine, and so I'm really fast, you know, and everybody's just looking at me and <laughs> so, so, but I love that job, you know, I, it gave me self esteem, and so she taught me, she says, when you get up in the morning, you make your bed every day, you know, and when I, how do you build self esteem by doing esteemable acts? I still make my bed every day, you know, take the shopping cart back, you know, when you when you pick things up in the store, in the grocery store, and you, and you decide you don't want it, go put it back where you got it. Don't lay it down in some other department. You know, I teach my women that. You know, you know I teach them to be a happy helper. I'm a happy helper today. I, uh, when I get asked to do things, I've, I've had every commitment that you can possibly do in Alcoholics Anonymous except intergroup. That's the only commitment I have not done. So, you know, commitments are a great thing. Um, you know, don't be afraid to ask for help. Um, you know this is, God got me sober so I could be of service I uh, I, uh, I love the life I have today, I remember telling my sponsor when I first got sober, I just want to be happy and I just want my life back well, I'm happy today I'm really happy but I don't have my life back God gave me a brand new life a whole different life, one that I had no idea that was going to happen to me um, so after I I got a better job three months after I'd been sober. I got a better job in my field, um, and uh, I was I worked at that company for uh, three years. And luckily, I didn't lie on my application when they asked if you had any prior convictions. I told the truth, and so um, it was a nonprofit uh, a developer in, in Irvine. And so they'd gotten a new board of directors, and well, I don't know, little over three years after I'd been there, they they never ran a background check on me. And they decided with the new board of directors, because they had a lot of public money, that they better run background checks on all their employees. And you know, I'm the controller. I'm dealing with millions of dollars. They kind of need to know, you know, what I'm. About about, so they didn't like what they found. <laughs> so, uh, But like I said, because of Alcoholics Anonymous I had, uh, you know, been uh, accountable. I showed up. I went above and beyond. I was a good worker. And, you know, they were really, It was. they gave me a great, rec- they had to lay me off. They gave me, they gave me a, a great recommendation, a letter of reference, and, and they gave me a really nice severance package. But it was during the recession, and I'm in construction. And I remember thinking, oh my gosh, I'm never going to get a job. And uh, six months later, I, I, I landed a job. And I was told that there was 250 applicants for this job that, they, that, that I had. And I still have that job today. I've been at that job for over 10 years. Um, And, uh, you know, because I was such a good employee and a good worker, the the severance package that they gave me, I had cleaned up my credit because when I got here I owed the IRS $180,000. And um, I had gone through, because I know what to do, well, I know what to do, but I wasn't doing it before, um, the IRS, they abated the whole $180,000, so I ended up owing them nothing. I got them to forgive the the debt. So through the process of cleaning up my credit, you know, being a good steward of God's money, I remember my sponsor telling me, it's a spiritual act to pay your bills on time. And I thought, what? That's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. And you know, and she says, because when I'm a good steward of God's money, he blesses me with more. Because if I'm if I can't handle the money that he's given me now, why would he give me more to handle if I'm not if I can't if I'm not responsible with the money he's given me? And that's been my experience in Alcoholics Anonymous. When I'm a good steward of whatever God blesses me with, you know, He's going to bless me with more because I can handle it. You know, God gives me. You know, God God does God gives me everything I can ha what is it? How does it go? God doesn't give me all that I can handle. He gives me everything I can handle. Obviously God thinks I'm a badass because he gives me a lot to handle. And um you know, thank God for Alcoholics Anonymous. So I uh With the severance, I was able to buy my own town home. I bought a town home in Laguna Hills. I've always lived in South County. And uh, my kids were here, and I'd rekindled my relationship with my my daughters, and I have three children. My oldest, she'll be 40 next year, and um, her mother will be 60, and we're going to go on this nice trip together. And um, my second daughter, she's 37, and... I have two granddaughters that's never seen their mother drunk or their grandmother, you know, drunk or loaded, and and I have a son. He's 29, and uh, 18 months ago he got a DUI, and uh, you know, he's one of us. Uh, does not like Alcoholics Anonymous at all, and um, I, uh, you know, did everything in my mind that I probably shouldn't have done with him. I panicked and went out and hired him an attorney, and you know, all this stuff and. Yeah, sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly, but (laughs) anyway. So, um, you know, I remember, um, I do today what I did, you know, 14 years ago. I was taught To get up in the morning, get on my knees. I hit my knees, and I pray out loud, God, please, I ask him in the morning, please give me one more day of sobriety. I pray the third step, seventh step. I do more. I'll tell you what I do now. But in the beginning, it was in the morning, hit your knees, ask God in the morning to give you you one more day of sobriety. Pray the third step, seventh step prayer. Read pages 83 to 88, 98 to 100. And then I started meditating for three minutes, you know, when I was newly sober, and I remember thinking, oh my gosh, it feels like three hours, three minutes seemed like three hours. You know, I still meditate every day today for 20 minutes. It took me seven years to get up to 20 minutes of meditation, but the job I have, I have a very stressful job, I need to meditate, trust me, and the people I work with, they're they're grateful that I do. So, um, you know, I still do that today. And then at night, get on your knees and pray out loud. Thank you, or say out loud, God, thank you for giving me one more day of sobriety. Third and seventh step prayer. Now, now I pray, you know, the Lord's prayer. I pray the 11th step prayer. I pray the humility prayer. You know, the surrender prayer. You know, letting go. You know, letting go is a mental and emotional, and it's a spiritual act. You know, and um, this past year, I... uh, I've been through some challenges, you know, personal and and business and and when things are good, I lean in. I lean in. I go to more meetings. I talk to my sponsor more. I, I I find more women to help because I have a crazy head. I need to get out of me, you know. By the time I got to Alcoholics Anonymous, I was so sick of me. I was just like done. I was like, I'm just so sick of myself. I was just, you know, I didn't want to be who I was. I couldn't look at myself in the mirror. Uh, my kids, I couldn't look at my kids. You know, they were just looking at me with disgust. It, it, actually, it was fear. They were looking at me with fear because. My daughter said to me, she says, Mom, I thought I was going to come over. By this time, both my oldest daughters, you know, they left. They just couldn't stop. They could not keep watching their mom kill them, kill myself. I should, they couldn't watch me kill myself. So, you know, they left. They went to college. And um, they got married. And, you know, they, they became successful. You know, and that's definitely God's grace. That's definitely God's grace because I was not the mother that they deserved. I was not the mother that they deserved. I would, I had to make an amends to my very... I made amends to all my kids. It took me seven years. I had 89 people on my um, on my eight-step list. It took me seven years. I did all direct amends to everyone except six people that had passed away but I did that in prayer. And um, I chose to do my children first and my first amends was to my oldest. Um, and uh, she, had, uh, she, was, she, uh, she was a missionary at, uh, at Calvary Chapel. She went to China, and she was at Cal State Long Beach, and she, she says, Mom, I was in my disease. She says, you know, when she left, she goes, here's my debit card. If you have, a, if you have a, an emergency, you know, you need some money, you can use it. Well, you know I had an emergency. So I had um, stolen $600 from her, you know, to buy drugs and alcohol and... And um, she came back from China, and she looks. At, I mean, this you know, she had tuition to pay, and and uh, you know, looks at her checking her check balance and the bank balance, and you know, her mom had taken a lot of money out of her account in, in two weeks, and you know, I just shrugged that off. I just dismissed that. I didn't give her any explanation. Not that I recall. Maybe I did. I don't know. And um, so anyway, when I got sober, I uh, I went to her. We we met, and I had had this letter that my sponsor had. Uh, approved and helped me written and I'd, I listed specifics, not not a general. I'm you know I'm sorry. You know an amends is a repair job. I have to go to these people. The book says we make direct amends and that means face to face. And if I can't do it face to face, you know I do it over the phone. And I I, I named specific amends that I was sorry for. And. Um, I brought her eight hundred dollars. I paid her back six hundred dollars plus interest, and you know I had specifically told her some things that I'd done and. And, and then I had three specific gratitudes for all my amends and, and I asked her at the end, you know, are there any other harms that I've caused you that I've not acknowledged and, you know, we're both crying and she's like, mom no, mom, I just love you, I'm just so, I'm just so happy that you're okay. And when I did that to my second daughter, I asked her if there's any other harms I've caused her, she said yes, there are, and we'd be here for a year if we had to go through all of them, you know. <laughs> so, <laughs> And then we went to dinner, which was uncomfortable, but, you know... A week later, you know, by sponsor direction, I said to her, you know, she told me, you know, hi, you know, Jess, I'm here for you. Whenever you're ready to talk about this, please, let's talk about it. So fast forward 14 years later, that young woman, she's the one that would come see her mom. She would drive from Silverado Canyon. She watched me take my 30, my 60, my 90, and my six months. You know, welcome to the newcomers. We all started with day one. I hope you stay. It's a lot less painful, you know, if you stay. We get worse, never better. And and congratulations to all the chip takers. And uh, Kelly, happy birthday. It's a pleasure. I actually got sober with her fiance. And let me tell you, we were crazy. We were crazy. (laughs) So, so, uh, is my time up? Okay. Okay. So far, how long? Seven. Oh, seven. Okay. So um, fast forward, um, yesterday we just had a Christmas brunch at my house with the women I sponsor and the women they sponsor. Uh, We went to Montana this year. My sponsor, she retired to Montana um, but she has children in Southern California. I see her minimum four times a year. I speak with her more now than I did when she lived in Southern California. I sponsor a woman who lives in Arizona. Um, she got she went through rehab here in Laguna Niguel, and she'll be two years sober next month. I know how to do long distance sponsorship because I'm long I'm sponsored long distance. Um, my grand sponsor, she's got 39 years. Um, her sponsor's got 54 years. I mean, I know my lineage. These women. Know Know how to stay sober. And if I do what they do, this is a program, you know, monkey see monkey do, you know, like that barrel of monkeys that that game, you know, you know, one monkey is linked to the next monkey and all that. You want what I have, you do what I do. You step where I step. You know, no deviation. The book says, we'll show you precisely how we recovered. And the word, sh- I had to look up that word precisely. It means no deviation, strictly. You know, I do what I was taught to do. And uh, not always, I, you know, trust me, I don't do this perfectly. I, like I said, when I don't do what I'm supposed to do, God reminds me. You know, God reminds me. I. Um, um, I, I am so blessed today. I am so blessed today. I, uh, when I first got here, my sponsor says to me, you have no idea how close to death you really were. And I and I know. I, I agree with that today. I totally agree with that. I remember I walked into Alcoholics Anonymous. I was like 110 pounds. I thought I looked good. I all sucked up, you know. And, you know. <laughs> oh, anyway. So I want to thank you. I want to thank you for having me here tonight. Um, I think that's it.